Welcome to the Rubok Wealth Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you gain clarity and confidence regarding your personal finances and life plans. Each episode features conversations with interesting guests from within and outside the financial world to explore important topics. From finances and family to entrepreneurship and philanthropy, we cover it all. Hi, everyone. Uh, Elke Rubach here from Rubach Wealth. I have today David Schlagbaum, a colleague and friend with me. Uh, further to the holistic approach we follow at Rubach Wealth, where we try to bring many eyes to, to give us different views and different opinions uh, that will enrich anyone's uh, financial plan or overall goal setting. I thought we would uh, have today David come and talk to us uh, about the process he follows and what he does for a living. So David, I think you'll do a much better job uh, than me introducing yourself. So by all means, over to you. So thanks, Elke. Uh, David Schlagbaum, I'm a, uh, a lawyer and a facilitator. I head up the family business law group at uh, Palo Palo. We're a mid-sized uh, law firm catering to the uh, mid-market and my particular area of focus is working with uh, family-owned businesses on uh, transition planning, corporate governance, and professionalizing uh, the family business. So you and I have talked many times about, you know, our job would not be well done if we just went in to recommend things or products or, or documenting deals or agreements. And uh, being a reformed lawyer, as I call myself, we we see the value of facilitating conversations that will help your and my clients get a clear idea of what success looks like for them. So in your world, uh, you and I have talked about your role as a minesweeper and a shepherd, but would you mind going deeper into that? Sure. So... When I start any family business engagement, um, I'm walking in without a map and I'm walking with the family across an open field. And the idea is to work with the family to build a road to where the, where the family wants the business to go. Um, meaning we want to create structures, policies, best practices that will position the business either for continuity or for transition, whether the business is going to be transferred to the next generation or to an outside buyer or to members of the family. The, the, the impediment that I have walking into uh, the engagement is that I don't know what the issues are. Uh, and as you say, um, it, it's not a question of um, how I see the world is a question of how they see the world. And my, our job is to extract that vision and to translate it in a way that, that, uh, that uh, uh, appeals to their plan, their notion of the world. Um, and so what I have to do to start the process is um, I need to find out what the issues are in order to find out what the issues or the obstacles or the minds and hence the, the notion of the mind sweeper is, is uh, once I, is that I have to conduct individual interviews, confidential interviews with each of the stakeholders um, where I'm establishing trust and they have an opportunity to discourse, to talk about the elephants in the room, the issues that don't get aired. People know about them, but they don't want to talk about them. Um, and I have to, and that gives me an opportunity to see 
what those issues are, what can be navigated around, what can be, uh, what can we find, uh, can we find a way to diffuse some of them? And um, I think there's a, a, there's an interesting sort of a, a parable or story about a, a, an orange, which I think uh, illustrates uh, the approach that I think you and I both take uh, for what we do. And um, it's because we don't know what's going on uh, that uh, we have to ask questions and it's the quality of the questions. So uh, in, in simple terms, the, the story is two people sitting at a table and there's an orange on the table and they're arguing about um, ostensibly about who, who should have the orange. And an innocent bystander walks by and says, what's going on? And, um, and just determines maybe a Solomon-esque like approach is, is the right way to go. And you just cut the orange in half and hand each side half. And maybe it's not exactly what each of them was uh, looking for, but at least they got something close to what they were looking for. But I think our task is a more, um, is a more in-depth and uh, more complete uh, approach to things, which would be that, uh, for instance, if it was me, I would um, ask one of them in and have a confidential conversation and say, why do you want the orange? And the answer would be, and the answer in this particular case was, because I'm, I'm starving, I'm hungry, I need to eat something. Uh, and then I call the other one in and I ask, why do you want the, the orange? And the answer uh, that he gave was that uh, it's his anniversary today, he promised his wife he was gonna bake a cake and he needs the orange rind to make the cake. And so suddenly, there, it, because we've asked the right questions, there's a solution there that is fuller uh, and um, meets each of the party's needs on a, on a, uh, on a much deeper and correct uh, way than you would by just taking a simpler uh, approach. And that's simply because of the quality of the questions. And as to the, the role of the shepherd, you know, the danger is that when, even if you have a plan and you've met with the family and you're going forward with a particular plan, I think there's a danger because things can get heated up uh, and people start to um, lose sight of the, of the big picture. Uh, and so whereas when we uh, uh, came in, we were trying to get people to focus on a big picture, um, our job, I think, is that if we see things falling down and people start to uh, wallow in the weeds and start to throw mud at each other, uh, that our job is as facilitators is to extract them from that and to remind them and to ask questions like, does this fit the big picture? Should we really be going down this route and trying to get people uh, focused? So um, I think also that that's a good segue for me to um, ask you, Elka. Uh, I know that you, you take a holistic approach to what you do, which is sort of big picture oriented. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about how that big picture focus affects what you do. And, and I think that orange parable applies to every discipline uh, we come across. Uh, I, I agree with you with, uh, with our plans. And when we talk to families, business owners, or even individuals, right? We want to spend some time clarifying what money means to them and unearthing what the financial, I call it the, the financial tape they have in their heads looks like. Because um, 
everybody has a different conversation. Everybody sees it, um, has the influence from a previous generation or, um, or, or conversations they had with their parents. And from there, they can also pull certain values that are more or less important to them and that they want to preserve into the next generation. So it's, it's, it's more understanding what money means to them and that then that will allow us to kind of like draw a path to success and talk to uh, different stakeholders in the overall picture of this client, right? We, we use a lot of analogies and we see their wealth as a puzzle. And obviously at the end of the day, everybody wants to see their puzzle come together and we help them in an orderly way, put the pieces together and come up with a plan. You know, maybe you've set up the frame first and then you put different pieces together. And what we really want to make sure is that people have what they need and need what they have and are clear about how that works and how all those pieces interact with each other, because there's nothing more frustrating than finishing your puzzle and then realizing that you're missing three pieces or that you have a piece from a different puzzle that doesn't work. So we, we build flexibility, we enable conversations, we enable uh, the inclusion at the right time, of course, at the right level for the different generations to partake in, into the learning and management of wealth. Because, you know, it's very common that a college generation one spent their entire lives building the wealth, but the lack of conversation and understanding what is important to G2 or G3 is what, first of all, creates problems. Second of all, there's a risk for misunderstanding and biases to kick in. And that's when, you know, short sleeves to short sleeves happens from generation to generation. It's not that they didn't know how to build wealth. They didn't learn how to be the stewards of their wealth. So that's our job. That's our role. So sorry. Go ahead. Well, but it just struck me as you were talking that, um, and I like the analogy to the puzzle, um, and what occurs to me about that is that it's intricate, right? And um, so much of what we do is through the information gathering, um, we're trying to construct a, a puzzle that relies on the integrity of the information that we're getting, right? Which is uh, the last thing that either of us wants to have is to come up, work with the family to create a plan um, and then be, be side railed by a disclosure that uh, comes out of left field because we didn't ask the right question, right? And so that's why the one-on-one -on -one, uh, interviews becomes such an intricate part of uh, the overall piece, even in terms of allowing us to, to manage the discussion when you're moving from the individual to a group level, um, knowing where each of the players are coming from uh, really helps a lot. Yeah, and, and if people think that this, this is a, a process that take, can be done in two weeks, it's, it's, that's a total illusion. This is a journey and the same way, you know, wealth is built over time. This conversation takes time. And it's actually a lot more pleasant than think, people think it is. And the, the outcome is so much greater. So in your world, David, how do you, how do you help your clients define success? 
So it's one of the exercises that I take people through at the very outset of a project. And you would say to yourself, I mean, how can they possibly be um, uh, putting their minds to what success looks like at the beginning? And um, I think part of the problem is that people are faced with issues and they create obstacles around those issues. They don't allow themselves to dream big, think big, because in their minds, they've only been able to focus on a narrow range of options and none of them uh, are, are palatable, right? So um, the first thing that you need to do is I ask the question, um, uh, you know, suppose we were two years down the road or six months down the road or whatnot, and we were having sharing a glass of wine and thinking, isn't this wonderful, right? And uh, I'm so glad that we did the work together to get to this point. Um, what does that mean? Translate to me what that means for you if we were sitting there and having and having that conversation. And I, and I say to them, um, unshackle yourself in a sense that don't look at what, the, what you've got right now and those things that you perceive as, oh, I'm never gonna get over this hurdle. Um, you know, just go crazy. Think of what you would like that world to look like. So using a simple example, you know, maybe success uh, to in one family means uh, a sister who's uh, uh, who's been running the family business and there's two brothers um, uh, she's got two brothers who uh, she does not want to have as partners um, and they know nothing about the business have never been involved but the founder of the business wants to share the wealth he wants to share the wealth that he created over the years and still he wants his sons to um, uh, to have a share of the business. So if, in their minds, this issue could be insurmountable, right? So um, uh, a, a, one, one perspective might be, I might walk in and say, all right, well, forget about the business and why doesn't the daughter keep the business and uh, the founder will focus on other assets that he's got uh, for, the, for the funds and balance the, the assets that way. But that would not be giving voice to their dreams, their ambitions, how they want to do things. So the question is, how can you achieve what they're looking for? And, and, and I'll, I'll, I, I recognize the fact that it's a simple example, but it's using the circumstances of the family to fashion uh, a resolution. And that would be, for instance, to suggest that, you know, maybe the daughter continues to run the business, and um, uh, but the sons have non-voting preferred shares that allow them to share uh, a share of, of the profits. And when the business ultimately gets sold, they get a piece of the action uh, as part of the purchase price. So um, it's a resolution that allows both things to occur, right? The daughter gets to continue to manage the business without the intervention of, this, of the sons. And it also fulfills um, the founders uh, dream. Um, the main thing that that comes out of that in my mind is that, you know, we all come into this uh, with our own uh, biases. I may have my own notions of what fairness means when it comes to the topic of conversation, sorry, the topic of compensation, um, or what a best practices structure might look like from the point of view of employing family, what are the rules about employing family in the business and so on. But then, it, but then it's about me. Right. It's, it's, and, and the answer at the end of the day, is just, it's, it's their plan. They have to own it. And we have to know enough about it as facilitators to create uh, an atmosphere that's conducive for us to extract 
the the plan for uh, from them and non-judgmental and a comfortable atmosphere where they can address their values their needs their goals uh, and create a plan that works for them so uh, and that kind of leads me to uh, i know that the issue of values is something that uh, that you focus on quite a bit um, and i thought to myself um, how do you think that your clients' notions of success are, are tied to their value system? Well, it's, it's a very, very personal conversation. And uh, if I, you know, once you meet a family, you can't say that you've seen them all. Like a family is a family and that's as far as it, as it goes. You know, we particularly find it in Canada. It's such a melting pot that we come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different uh, financial situations. Uh, lately, less so, but generally speaking, Canada is a place where social mobility is still possible. And um, there are philanthropic values in there. Uh, the majority of the population does care about their neighbor. And when when we talk to our clients about about their family values and their their money conversations again it's never about money it's the impact they can create so um we have you know without uh pegging roles here it's very common that the one of the spouses wants to give everything away and says well i don't want to wreck my kids uh, choices in the future i want them to have just enough but not too much and and we define what that is and then this the other spouse says well that's all great and dandy you want to give everything away but what if something happens and we're destitute um so we we just facilitate those conversations and we figure out that it doesn't need to be complicated it it has to be flexible it has to work for for the family as such and if harmony is the most important element for, for the family which generally speaking it is um we will find a way to do it. We won't, we'll never tell people what they should do. We want to find out what it is that they want to do and then figure out the way to get there. Uh, you know, some, some people come from a lot of money. Some people come from no money at all. Some people are self-made. Some people are still living paycheck to paycheck. So every, every reality is different. And it's ultimately um, figuring out, again, back to the puzzle. What, what would you like to see please rest assured that this cannot be achieved overnight. So yes, we can eat the elephant, but we can't eat it in one bite. It'll be many bites and starting with the first one. And we can get there as long as there's discipline, there's you know commitment, open conversation, obviously confidentiality, but the more we find out from our clients, the better and more detail we can add to their picture and get to their goal faster. And I find that a, a very cherished value in families is simplicity. And we say that, that a good financial plan doesn't need to be incomprehensible. Some people go so crazy out there, go, you know, implementing very complex tax structures that not even they understand. And when you ask the spouse, do you understand what's going on? They have absolutely no clue. So the benefit of any tax sheltering opportunity or any tax planning opportunity is potentially questionable when you realize the complexity and grief that will take to unwind those structures for the spouse. So we, we talk about things before they happen. And that allows people to, to think 
twice before figuring you know saying this is what i want to do all the opinions come to the table and that's really how we uh how we make it happen right we um we try to avoid leaving the pandora's box unopened for the next generation so that leads me to ask you tell me your story about because that's how we you and i started talking pandora's box pandora's box and there's a pandora's box in your world there's a pandora's box in my world i think there's a pandora's box in every world and you think about it even in the dentist you can pretend that your your tooth doesn't hurt and never look at it and then until you're like in dire pain that's when you look at it whereas if you had addressed it earlier on it, it would have been a much easier solution so so david tell me about Pandora's box. What what's what if your client's fear of dealing with whatever is in that box is so strong that it's not worth the pain? What what happens here? Um. So, I, I mean, I'm listening to what you what you said, and a number of things um, sort of ring true for me as well in terms of uh, what I do. Um, one of which is the, the your analogy of the uh, of the elephant, and that you can't eat the elephant in one in one bite. And uh, and uh, you know when when people approach uh, the Pandora's box, which is uh, the depository of all of these various issues that uh, terrify them, right? Um, the the fear. Um, Part of the fear is that they have to tackle the entire thing at once. If they if they have to jump into the Pandora's box and it's kind of coming at them from all sides. And I think that what you're talking about in terms of eating the elephant in little bites uh, is true for me as well. I look at it in terms of breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, uh, trying to achieve successes in terms of those bite-sized chunks, and then giving. The, the feedback hopefully from those successes is look at what we were able to accomplish on these simple successes and then trying to build on those successes uh, as we uh, move along. And so it's not that the family doesn't know uh, what these issues are. Um, it's that um, uh, they found a way, likely by avoiding them, uh, to sort of get along. Uh, and at a certain point, the just getting along aspect doesn't work, which is often the signal or the catalyst for you and I to uh, come into the, uh, to the picture because they've run out of solutions or because they're just too terrified to take that step, you know. And uh, to me, it's, it's in a way, it's kind of, it's kind of what we're, we're going through when in, in, this, um, in this COVID epidemic, which is, uh, it's a need to adapt uh, and to face the unknown. Um, and with COVID, we don't have the luxury of putting it off for another day. So it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's sort of dealing with a what if, um, which if you had the luxury of sitting back and say, well, you know, the what if is somebody somewhere down the road, here the what if is staring you right in the face. So, so what do you do with it? And um, um, I think that when we were, if we were looking at the lessons, that we can learn from uh, COVID. Um, one of the things that we, it's scary, but one of the things that we don't, that we know is that if we're not going to be proactive, if we are not prepared to take bold steps, then we may not survive, right? The client, your client may not survive. And so I think what you do and what I do is I think we lead people through that field of, uh, of what ifs. 
and um, and 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 looking at COVID, we can say to ourselves, if we can find the tools to survive this, a way to deal with this, because we have no choice but to to deal with it, then that then we may be equipping ourselves with the tools that allows us allow us to go back into the Pandora's box and to deal with those some of those uh, unresolved issues. Um, and so I'm thinking to myself, Elka, based on your experience with family during the time of COVID, what's changed for you? What's been confirmed for you? I think um, it's very funny. I, I, uh, it's not that I, I want to get too uh, out there, but I think last year everybody was running so fast and so hard that I don't know if it was the universe or what it was that when everybody said we, we need a break. And we got our break and now we're all home and we're facing reality. And many of us are seeing, you know, mortality is, 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 is real. And without getting dark, uh, you know, it, it's there. And it's a Pandora box that it's a lot easier to handle while you can still talk about it and not leave your family with an absolute disaster behind, right? Uh, it, it happens. It doesn't mean it will happen. It doesn't mean it's going to happen because of whole COVID. But ultimately, everybody, business owners and, and individuals have to take, you know, think about their own succession, call it business wise, call it professional, call who's, the, you know, who's going to be in command of the family, what happens when you no longer can make decisions, all, all those conversations need to happen, and they're starting to happen, and COVID has um, enabled them in a rather accelerated way, and that is crazy but it but it's but it's good people are understanding that we're not you know forever and we want to make sure that the next generation is okay the other thing too that has happened is people are taking the time to say okay now i'm i'm literally you have my attention i'm at home i can't go anywhere I have all my papers here maybe it is time to start talking about the financial plan Maybe it is time to start talking about, you know, that will that you've been chasing me to get done for so many years. And we say, again, we will get there. There's a bunch of things and steps we need to, to take and we will not do the wills for you, but we will work with somebody who can do them for you. And at the same time, we'll work on your tax plan and we'll talk about your insurance coverage and we'll talk about your asset management and what your risk appetite and when are you using these these funds and what's your retirement expectation and what what's your legacy play all the all those conversations we spent a lot of time talking about it so our process hasn't changed it's just the fact that people now are facing a very uh real situation and and you know you, as long as you watch the news for five minutes you see what's going on and then Percentage-wise, for sure, it's it's not it's not that close, but but it could happen, right? So people are starting to get organized, and that's fantastic. You have uh, companies, uh, sorry, you have the courts now allowing online witnessing of uh, wills. That, that's huge, and you know our job has been educating people and and showing them that just because you're 18 and don't own a, a duck to your name doesn't mean you shouldn't have a will. You know, there's powers of attorney and those things. And I know that insurance plays an aspect of, of, of what you do. And, and uh, one of the things that I focus on in my practice is I sort of get, I'm trying to get 
business owners to look about, look at a shareholders agreement as a as a form of insurance because it can deal with a bunch of the what ifs: death, uh, disability, divorce, bankruptcy, family law issues. Uh, what do we do in any of those uh, circumstances? Um, and to me, it's 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 a sad but real example of the fact that. As you said, you didn't say if these things happen. It's when, certainly in terms of death, it's when that that happens. And um, and one of the exercises perhaps we can we could take our families through is um, if you knew COVID was going to happen, right? Whether it's two years down the road, five, but you don't necessarily know when. Um, how would you do things differently? How would you plan? Uh, differently and uh, and so now that it's here and you're forced to deal in some way with it how do you position yourself in a in a better way perhaps uh, going forward and you know to me one of those things is is uh, is a financial plan one of those things is getting into an, uh, um, a shareholders arrangement uh, having properly executed wills and powers of attorney um, and uh, and that, and that's where I think um, you and I um, uh, have a great basis for collaboration because I think we both recognize that uh, um, the playing field is, is the field of um, keeping the family whole and finding out what their needs are and, uh, and addressing those and you're bringing a skill set and an approach to, to that effort and I'm doing that uh, as well, and the recognition that neither of us is a silo, right? Yeah, and, and working together, uh, we the, the result is just so much better. David, thank you so much. Um, I hope thank this you. is the first of many. I hope your family's doing well. We'll uh, catch up soon. I think we have a okay. call next week. Okay. But uh, thank you, everyone. And we will uh, post David's contact information below and let us know uh, what you think. Thank you so much and have a good afternoon. Thank you, all the best.